0: I know your first question is Does that look like a Baptist church to you? Probably not, but it should. That's what the church should look like. I can't tell you. Amen. Amen. While the Tim Tebow Foundation, because of safety concerns around the world with COVID, had to cancel this year, uh, the leadership uh, under Robert Miller and many of our volunteers, Michelle Cohen and so many others, uh, said, We got to go forward. And I can't tell you how many parents came up to us and said, Thank you. We needed this. It was powerful. And I'm thankful to be a part of a church that doesn't get all bent out of shape when they reach out to a community and when they still have a disco ball hanging in their sanctuary, all right? That's sweet, that's being what we need to be to our community, all right? Well, we're jumping into a study on extraordinary faith. That what you saw on that was the stewardship of grace that we've been talking about. That God has called all of us to not only receive grace and be saved by that grace, but we're stewards of that grace that's why we do night to shine that's why we do the ministries we do in jerusalem judea samaria and to the ends of the earth because it is our responsibility and it is our privilege to represent the king as his ambassadors in a world that needs to know that jesus has changed our lives we're not called to be just an ordinary group of people doing ordinary church on sunday morning we're called to live out an extra ordinary faith much like we're studying in first chronicles if you have your bibles you can turn there we're looking to the testimony of a guy named Jabez now some of you may remember when the book was written the prayer of Jabez we're not focusing as much even though we're looking on that prayer we're focusing on the God of Jabez and Jabez who had an extraordinary testimony here are the things we looked at last week one he was an honorable man he was more honorable than his brothers Uh, that word honorable means to bring glory to you. In other words, his life glorified the Lord more than all others that you read about in 1 Chronicles chapter four and in the day in which he lived. Not only was he an honorable man, but he was a faithful man. He was a man of great faith. He was a man who understood that the only way he could experience extraordinary was to place his faith in the God of the extraordinary. He was also a prayerful man. He was a man who believed in communicating and dialoguing with God not just when he was in trouble and not just when he needed things from God but just because he had a walk with God. First Chronicles chapter 4 verse 10 we see all of a sudden God putting on the brakes in the midst of this long lineage list of this person who had these kids and was a brother to this person or a sister to this person and we see all of these names and then all of a sudden right in the middle it stops and a spotlight comes on verse 10. All of a sudden, we see this testimony, this extraordinary testimony of a man named Jabez. What do we learn? Verse 10, Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my border, that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm and that may not pain me. And God granted him what he requested. As we look at the life, we saw the testimony last week of Jabez and his life, now we're going to look at his prayer life. And as we look at his prayer life, I think we're going to learn some things from the way he prayed to God. I think as you study scripture, many of the prayers that are recorded and the things that the Apostle Paul would pray for or Jabez would pray for are radically different than the things we're praying for. Our prayer life seems to be strictly confined to this physical realm. And there, we should be praying about things that are going on in our everyday life and things that happen on this planet. Certainly, we'll see those kinds of things prayed for in Scripture. But more often than not, there is an elevated prayer. It, it, it is a prayer emphasis throughout all of Scripture that are on things that are eternal and things that are way beyond even this lifetime. Jabez, it says, prayed this prayer. This prayer is recorded inspired by the Holy Spirit for you and I to learn from the prayer life of Jabez. What did he pray for? What are the things that we need to see? I want to remind you, let's don't focus on some rote prayer. This isn't something to be memorized and to be puppeted to get God's favor. The focus is not on the prayer of Jabez. The focus is on the God of Jabez. But we can see some things that we should be praying for. When Jesus taught us what's called the Lord's Prayer, I've told you before, as a high school basketball player, our coach would have us before every game kneel down and pray literally word for word the Lord's Prayer, as if it was some magical secret to winning and beating the other team. And it's not in the prayer or the words of the prayer, it's in the understanding of how to connect with God about the things that really matter. So what did Jabez understand number one write it down here's here's what we're going to learn to do especially in chair warrior time but also in your personal time with God throughout the week every day you ought to say God bless me now 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 before you just write that down and think you got it we're going to dig in on that because I think Americans that is our prayer all the time God bless me God bless me God bless my children God bless my church God bless my business God we pray those words But do we really know what we're praying about? Well, when you first look at Jabez's prayer, that seems a little selfish. God, bless me. I think some of that's been distorted because of what we experience in our Western culture. But Jabez's prayer for blessing is radically different than American Christianity blessing. It's a way different understanding. We're going to dig through that this morning. Because he realized that a blessed life was one that was centered on God's will it wasn't centered on his will and what he wanted to be blessed with he was actually praying for God's blessing in his life that word blessed that word means actually in the Hebrew something radically different than what we call a blessing if you've ever had a conversation with somebody something really good happens to them and what's what's their response oh, I'm just blessed God bless me I know their house got torn up by the tornado, but I'm blessed. God saved my house as if he was cursing that home and blessing your home. We think a blessing is all the good stuff that happens. And if I get a raise at work, if I get a promotion, if if good things are going on, I'm blessed. If bad things are going on, we don't see that as blessing. That isn't the understanding Jabez had. That, That word that he prays, oh Lord, bless me. If you do a Hebrew word study on it, it literally was a phrase that meant a new, different, changed result. Now He wasn't praying, God bless my bank account, I want that to change. Uh, wouldn't we all like that to change? The price of gas, uh, Lord bless me and drop that price of gas. He wasn't praying for those things, he was praying for him to be blessed. You know what he was praying? He was saying, God I need to be different lord change me he understood what Romans 12 1 and 2 says what the apostle Paul taught is we can either be conformed to this world or we can be transformed by God he understood what the apostle Paul wrote when he said I know that God has begun a good work in me he is perfecting that he is changing me and so what was Jabez praying for he wasn't changing he wasn't praying for a more blessed bank account or a bigger home or estate he was praying for God to change him every single day. What if we prayed that every day? God, change me. God, change the way I think. Change the way I respond. Change the way I see life. Lord, instead of looking through my flesh, may I be a person of faith. He was praying for God to do a new thing in him, to change him from the inside out. We've defined a blessing as anything that blesses us in this physical realm, that, that's from our culture that's a cultural context after all we are America the greatest country on the planet or so we represent and while we may be the most materially uh, uh, great I begin to look at what's happening in our nation that once was a nation blessed by God is no longer is no longer a nation that wants to bless God himself all the blessings that we've received have been in the material realm rather than responding with being that country that once sought the heart of God. And may we be a people like Jabez, who doesn't pray for more material gain, more physical gain, but pray that God would change us and that it would start with me. Jabez didn't say, change my leader. He didn't say, change my government. He didn't change, say, change my economics. He, got, he said, God, change me. What would happen if this many people just in this room alone right now prayed that every single day this week? I think we'd see a different city. I think we'd see a different church. And if we're not careful, we fall into the traps of our culture that thinks a blessing is how I gain in this world rather than being changed while I live in this world. Charles Barkley of NBA fame was once interviewed and he said this he said I don't know why I've been so blessed I'm not a religious man I just want to live it up and do my own thing what can I say I'm blessed no Charles you may you may have prospered with the talents that you had and with the opportunities you've had you may have prospered but a blessing is one who knows the Lord a blessing is one who experiences the Lord's handiwork in their life that he is the potter and we are the clay a blessed life is a life that isn't the same as it was yesterday but is being transformed into the image of almighty God and so let's be careful in our understanding of the blessing and let's be careful in our definition or even expression of blessing You see, even when tough times happen, like Paul, who was in prison, would still be able to write the letters to the churches, and say, I'm a blessed man. His circumstances didn't dictate the blessing. His relationship with his God and what God was doing in his life was his blessing. Let's be sure and point people to a blessing, and let's remember this definition and write it down in your notes. Here's the definition of a blessing. I've given it to you before. A blessing is anything that draws me closer to God. That's a blessing. I don't know that the lottery ticket has ever drawn anybody closer to God. I don't think it ever has. I don't think making the Hall of Fame like Charles Barkley has ever made anybody more blessed and closer to God. But I can tell you that there are things that come along our way that you may not in our cultural context seem as a blessing, but God is working it out for his glory. The Apostle Paul had to learn at one time when he was praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. He said, God, remove this thorn, remove this thorn, remove this pain. Lord, remove this issue. God said, no, my power is going to be magnified in that issue, Paul. And that was a blessing. He saw it as a curse. God revealed it to him as a blessing. Jesus taught about blessing, and what the blessed life look at look, looks like, I want you to look at it with me this morning. Go over to Matthew chapter 5 this morning, and let's be reminded as Jesus reflected on this definition of a blessed life. He gathered up a huge crowd, and they were wanting to be blessed, and their definition was, man, I'm going to get blessed today because my blind eyes today, I'm going to get to see. Jesus opens the eyes of the blind. Others said, man, my crippled life, I've not been able to walk. I need a healing. God's going to bless me. They all showed up expecting Jesus to be the sideshow circus that they'd heard about in town. And then Jesus taught about a blessing. When he saw the crowds, verse 1, Matthew chapter 5. When he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. After he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are those with nicer cars, and blessed are those who live in bigger houses. Blessed are those who win the lottery and blessed are those who receive the applause of man. Blessed are they for the the, the pleasure of the moment is theirs. They are blessed. Is that what Jesus taught? No, you're laughing already. That doesn't sound like truth. And yet that's what we want to hear. That's what we want our ears tickled with. And that's what we pray for sometimes without even realizing it. But in verse 3, I'll put it on the screen, Jesus began to pray this. Blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. In other words, those who are bankrupt, who say, I'm nothing and he is everything, blessed is that person. Not somebody who is praying for God to make them greater, it's somebody who actually comes to God and says, God, I'm bankrupt, and I have nothing of value except you and you alone. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Recently, I've walked through some really difficult days with many in the life of our church tough times of losing a loved one through an illness or through a tragedy, through an accident, or whatever it might be. Grieving with them and understanding the hurt of that. And in those moments, they have to feel like, God, why why are you removing the blessing from me? But blessed are they who receive the comfort of God as they mourn. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger, and thirst for righteousness. Notice the pursuit of each and every blessed person in this passage. It's not for the things of this earth. It's not for the things we accumulate. It's not the things that we assign blessing to. He's actually showing us we are blessed beyond those things. Blessed is a person who's merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And yet our culture teaches us that The way you're blessed is to pursue everything that is less than holy. Pursue all the things that are unrighteous, the things that are are thrill-seeking moments and thrill-seeking pleasures, and that's when you'll find the blessing. And Jesus said, no, when you are pure in heart, you'll find the blessing. Blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who've been persecuted. Oh, when was the last time we even wrestled with persecution? And yet, if we come under attack for our faith, do you see that as a blessing? Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. Notice the perspective. It isn't about the here and now. It's about the forever with him. It's about eternity with eternity in mind. And can you imagine all the people in the audience that day that showed up to be blessed, their definition isn't in there. What they were looking for wasn't there. And what Jesus was reminding them is, I can give you sight for a lifetime, or I can give you eternal joy. I can bless you for a moment, or I can bless you for all of eternity. I will bless those who are poor in spirit. I will bless those who are merciful. I will bless those who pursue me with a pure heart. There you find the blessing. Too many times our culture has robbed us of how to truly pray for blessing. Uh, We would pray differently than Jabez, but Jabez didn't name his blessings. He didn't name for things in the physical realm. He named the name of the Lord and he looked to him for the blessing. And whatever God was ordaining in his life, God. Change me. God, work in my life. God, make me a different person, more into your image. That's why, throughout scripture, when they're praying to be blessed, it's different than our prayer for blessing. The Apostle Paul, before he was ever transformed, he was the persecutor of the early church. We know he was the Pharisee of the Pharisees. In other words, he had great position in his community. We know he was a wealthy man. He was a man of great influence. He could harness crowds of uh, of those to do his bidding, the, the holy gang of the Pharisees that would wipe out this new religion called Christianity. We know he had position. We know he had possessions. We know he had power. We know he was very popular. Everybody knew who Saul of Tarsus was. He was a man of fame in his community. Was he blessed? I'm sure as he walked around that city, as people would pat him on the back, I'm sure he thought to himself, oh, God has blessed me. God has blessed me. Was God blessing Saul of Tarsus? No. He was a religious man. He was a man doing, he thought, God things, but he wasn't blessed. Did he have the favor of God on his life? No, and that's why God appeared to him on the road to Damascus. And what did he do on the road to Damascus? Did he give him little gold stars for all he'd been doing? No. You know what God did on the road to Damascus he changed him he blessed him he said no longer will you be Saul of Tarsus you will now be Paul a changed man a man who now knows me who doesn't persecute me who doesn't go against my will but now is in the center of my will he was blessed and let me just read you the account of his blessed life can I read it to you we, you can write it in your notes. I'm not going to put it on the screen. It's too lengthy. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 records his new life, this changed life. Starting in verse 23, he says, Are we simply servants of Christ? I speak as if I'm insane, more so in far more labors and far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Woohoo, there's the blessed life. Five times I received from the Jews. The apostle of the week, no. You know what he got from them? 39 lashes, the blessed life. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I've spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers and dangers from robbers and dangers from countrymen and dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren, I'm blessed. I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. That was the blessed life. So don't tell me that the only time we're blessed is during the good times or when something physically goes well. Don't fall into that trap that that's the blessed life. And I also don't want you to walk out there and say, well, pfft, that's the blessed life. I'm not so sure I want to sign up for that either. But why not? I'm in the center of God's will if I'm experiencing God's transformation in my life the extraordinary follows It doesn't mean it's gonna be a bed of roses it doesn't mean it's gonna be easy it doesn't mean it's gonna be simple but I'm blessed I could gain everything in this world and be the most cursed person on the planet matter of fact that's how the enemy tried to trip up Jesus I'll give this all to you you don't have to go to the cross You don't have to go through the pain. You don't have to obey God's will for your life. I'll give it to you now. Just bow down. Just take the easy road. But Jesus stayed with the blessing. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. Let me try to wrap it up this way and show you as the Apostle Paul teaches us about the blessings of a life with Christ. Look at Ephesians chapter 1 and we'll start in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Not Saul of Tarsus, he's a changed man, he's a blessed man. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints that are at Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this, verse 3, underline it, mark it up, take some notes, look at it. Blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. You want to know about this blessing that Jabez was praying for? Paul explains it. Paul says, first of all, the blessing's found in the one who is blessed, the Lord God Almighty. It's not found in this world. Your employer can't give it to you. Your spouse can't provide it. Another relationship can't give it to you. The things of this world will never satisfy. But the God Father, Lord Jesus Christ has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The blessing will never be found on this planet and as long as you're looking for things in this realm to bless your life, you will never be blessed. And Paul directs their vision heavenward and reminds them blessed be our God and that God that we bless is the God who blesses us not in this lifetime although we have abundant life and yes we're blessed as we live this life but the blessing is in heavenly places James 1 says every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow it was F.E. Marsh who pointed out the blessings we have, these heavenly blessings. He said this, he said, Ephesians 1, 6 tells us that we have an acceptance that can never be questioned. We have an inheritance that can never be lost, 1 Peter chapter 1. We have a deliverance that can never be excelled, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We have a grace that is not limited, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We have a hope that can never be disappointed, Hebrews chapter 6. We have a bounty that can never be withdrawn, 1 Colossians chapter 3. A joy that can never be diminished, John chapter 15. A nearness to God that can never be reversed, Ephesians chapter 2. A peace that can never be disturbed John chapter 14 a righteousness that can never be tarnished second Corinthians chapter 5 a salvation that can never be canceled Hebrews chapter 5 do you need another witness are you blessed would you have ever listed any of those things as the blessing I'm blessed because it's going good with my kids this week I'm blessed because I got to pay my bills I'm blessed, but are we looking to the right things? Are we looking to the heavenly things as our blessing? Our blessings are from above, not here on earth. Our blessings come from the God who blesses us by using these things that transform us and change us in the image of Christ. Our blessings in Christ are not only promised, but they are possessed They're a result of being in Christ. So don't settle for a life of superficial blessing. Don't look to the things like the very first sin that ever happened on this earth and there there's Adam and Eve. They are blessed. They're being uh, in the image of God. They were perfect. They walked with God. They had everything in paradise and yet they looked to this realm. They looked to the things of the physical and they saw something they didn't have and something they wanted so they could be more blessed. And because of that, appetite and because of that desire to get something in this world to bless them more they became cursed and the same's happening for us every time we look to this tree or that tree or this fruit or this thing and don't look to God and say God bless me God change me don't look down here look to the God who changes us and transforms us into his image would you pray with me about it? With every head bowed and every eye closed. I dare you to pray as Jabez prayed. Don't pray like Americans pray. God bless me. I dare you to pray like Jabez. God bless me. God bless and change me. God produce a different result. Lord, I don't want to be like I was yesterday. I want to be more like you today. Would you be willing to pray that right now and it could be maybe there's somebody in this room or somebody who's viewing online that all of a sudden realizes ah, i i thought i was blessed but i'm not blessed i don't even know god i know about him but i don't know him god changed me the bible says that if you would believe in your heart that you could become a new person in christ uh, he says the old life is wiped away and he makes you a brand new different person no longer dead in your sin but alive in Christ who needs to pray that this morning who needs to say God save me and right where you are it can be that simple the first chronicles four ten is a short prayer It's nothing fancy it's simply just saying God I need you to change me God I'm dead in my sin and today I turn from my sin and I receive you as my savior God save me and he will There are many in this room. You are saved. He's begun a good work in you. But it's been a while since you've cooperated with his transformational process in your life. And maybe today you need to say, God, forgive me for pursuing blessing in this world and not letting you bless me. God, change me. Change my mind. Change my heart. Change my life. That's not for salvation but that's for transformation. Would you trust God this week to every single day be the potter to form you into his image moment by moment and day by day. Lord I pray for each and every person in this room knowing that you our high priest have already been praying each and every one of us through this moment through this time As we hear your word, God, may it change us today. May it bless us. The blessing doesn't come from knowing the right facts. It comes from possessing the truth of your word and submitting to the work of you, Holy Spirit. So God, as we have this time of invitation, this time of response, I pray, Lord, that we would simply let you do your work and transform us into your image. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.